Welcome to Trailblazers, the first ever podcast to be done by men. Unfortunately, we have a third man this week, uh, but he is very lovely, uh, and he's a guest that I've wanted to have on the show for quite a while. Um, I always forget to do this. My name is Ryan Broderick. <laughs> That's my name. My name is Luke Bailey. <laughs> and our guest this week is Alex Hearn, reporter for The Guardian. Hello, Alex. How are you? Hello, I'm all good. Thank you for having my extremely manly self here. <laughs> um, totally manly. Thank you for taking a risk on a uh, uh, a male-led podcast project. Uh, we're we're trying to really break new ground here, um, and I know there aren't as enough a, of them. There aren't enough of them. Yeah, and as a tech reporter, I'm sure you've never been invited by a bunch of men to be on their podcast. So that just no, matter. no. It's it's really like it's really reassuring. I normally have to fight so hard for the prospect of just just an all male group. <laughs> I'm glad we could finally fulfill that dream for you. Yeah. Uh, we're just a couple dudes who like to talk about memes. Um. <laughs> so the format of this show is very simple. There isn't much of one. Uh, we like to bring on our friends from the internet. Uh, we figure everyone... Um, has had their brain turned to mashed potatoes by isolation and overuse of technology. Um, and we like to have our, our guests go first uh, when we all share a thing that we're kind of into at the moment. Um, and you wrote a really good story today um, that's going to require quite a bit of legwork to get <laughs> Americans uh, kind of up to it's speed also on more it. Or less, it's the o- more or less the only story that like anyone in the UK has cared about for... I don't know. It feels like it feels like two weeks now. Yeah, you guys it's have been not. going at this for, and a it's long not. Time. It's so we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, and since Friday, this has been the the <laughs> only real news story in the UK to a level. Like, I think this is the biggest news story to have hit the UK government certainly since COVID. And even I am like, God, can't we finish this already and move on because there are other more important things? But basically. What I mean, Luke, what is a short version of this? The short version is that the, <laughs> the, the Prime Minister's chief advisor secretly drove 250 miles. 264 while, miles. Sorry. Secret, secretly Which is drove, depressing in itself. I am always going to know for the rest of my life exactly how far it is from London to Durham. <laughs> 264 miles while he, his wife and his four-year-old son were supposed to be in isolation in London to his parents' gigantic estate in durham because well the because is is what the contention is here he says he says that he was okay to do it because he thought they were going to be ill enough that they needed childcare. that's hmm. his excuse now oh, the important the pro- context here being yes his, his wife had coronavirus symptoms and he and his wife have had coronavirus okay yes wait wait was she was she did she have coronavirus symptoms when he did the drive to durham yes okay Yes, except the, the, also, no, they've changed their story on this. They've changed their story a lot of times in a lot of places. Um, yeah, the, the timeline the, the timeline is he was he was in Downing Street, like with the prime minister, went home, his wife fell ill, and he went back to Downing Street the next day. Not allowed. Like, Bing, yeah, not allowed. Also not allowed. One. So he was just then, riding around. He was just riding around the country. He was just point. riding around. Also, it's worth pointing out, like, for American for American audiences, this guy, is, his name is Dominic Cummings, and he he is kind of the... A lot of pro-EU people have the same opinion of him that a lot of resistance people have of Steve Bannon, though he's probably not as bad as Steve Bannon. He's like the guy behind the throne. He's not the guy that Cheryl, uh, that Benedict Cumberbatch plays in the Brexit. That's movie. the one. That's the one. He that is? is him. That's the one. Okay. Uh, he kind of looks... He looks like Gollum. He kind of looks like... He looks like... Yeah, I was going like to say Gollum. Red uh, from uh, that 70s show. Okay. Like yeah, the dad. Sure, I don't know well. who that is, but sure. He looks like the dad from that 70s show, kind of. He's like... Yeah. A, or like... Um, was it the Mork Lorks from Rick and Morty? You know what I mean? Like That'll the thing with the big, the big and head. He's a bald man. They all look the same. Like this, he's like this skinny... What, what, what are the... What are the... Aliens call from <laughs> He Googles Rick and Morty. Not for the first time today. Uh, yeah, I mean, welcome to a, <laughs> this podcast where I'm just going <laughs> to look up Rick and Morty facts. Um, hold on. Surely the yeah, on-brand thing. thing for this podcast is to not need to look up Rick and Morty Oh, facts. okay. He looks like Mr. Meeseeks from Rick and Morty. That's what he looks like. Of course. It's like a thin, he's like a thin, sure. assless man with a giant head. And he's kind of like, 
if Kellyanne Conway and Steve Bannon were the same figure politically, as I understand yeah. it. Yeah, with uh, with a with a touch of um, oh, what's the the wild the the weird white supremacist uh, Miller, Stephen Miller in my in my government. Oh, in your country. Yeah. Oh, Stephen Miller. Miller. Actually, yeah, he's probably closer. Who also kind of looks like Mr. Meeseek. So, like, yeah, he's he's a, he's also like a kind of ball bubble headed, um, nebulous man um, who does things. So, fair enough. Um, he's more of a he's a guy who's obsessed with science and thinks science can solve everything. And yet, he did ancient history at uni. Yeah. Okay. He's absolutely one of those. He's an I fucking love science fanboy who yeah. oh, he's, cool. he's here's like a good George Takai quote kind of guy. Exactly. His absolute <laughs> biggest political um, insight though, that the thing that has led to him genuinely transforming the British state has basically been that there is no one enforcing the rules. And if the media cry about him breaking the rules, no one normal cares. And that is an insight that has served him well over the past decade of British politics, from breaking freedom of information law at the Department for Education to refusing to appear on uh, government hearings in, uh, to refusing to hear, appear in parliamentary hearings in front of uh, House of Commons committees, to now deciding that lockdown laws apply to other people and that if he wants to drive to Durham in the middle of lockdown, he can and who's going to stop him. He's one, he's one of the few men who's been held in contempt of parliament. Like that's quite a rare thing. Yeah. I also want to point out, I also want to point out just in case Americans have seen this man and they're kind of like trying to figure out what, what's going on here. He's always incredibly casually dressed. In the way that that's only whole an thing. extremely posh man can, can get away with. Yeah, he, he's always yeah. kind of dressed... Like he's just changed back into street clothes from coming from the gym. He always yeah. has like that. I've just put on normal clothes again after doing a workout kind of look. That's his whole vibe. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But but that's kind of why it works because he has just such a disdain for many of the institutions that make British democracy work, which in fairness deserve a lot of disdain. Because it barely works. His sort of disdain. <laughs> from what yeah. I understand, every time you people vote, things get worse. So <laughs> I've never seen you successfully vote for a better thing. So I mean, I'm looking forward to election 2020 in your country. So hey, there's a good chance we're not going to have it. You know, like at this point, <laughs> at this point, the rhetoric over here is will he accept it if it, if he loses um but but alex a lot of this is a uh, all of this important stuff is actually prologue for the actual story because the actual story is that in this last week when dominic cummings has been at the center of british political and frankly social life like to give you to give you a, a degree of this my friend got a parcel delivered this is in lockdown, so in the period when parcels are delivered by, they put it on your door, knock the door, and run away. Uh, the first conversation he's had with his postie in eight weeks was the postie standing three meters away going, you're about Cummings. That, and and like, <laughs> it, it's that level of everywhere. And yet it wasn't a trending topic on Twitter. And it is bullshit to care about trending topics on Twitter. They are meaningless. They're not true reflections of what people are talking about. Wait a minute. They are incredibly easily gameable. Wait a minute. Let's let's mm-hmm. slow down here. Twitter, you know, that's our editor. Uh, all journalists in the world is edited essentially by Twitter. And without that, I'd have no idea what to write about all day. I actually literally have spent the last 48 hours writing about Twitter, unfortunately, and particularly two tweets that were fact-checked by Twitter. Yeah. Um, so... No, but you're right because it—they don't reflect anything. They're just like, but yeah, and, and, and you know, like it—it's—it is grossly unfortunate that Twitter is so important to journalism. But even <laughs> for journalism, trending topics are useless. They are—they are nonsense. They are K-pop buzzwords and spammy hashtags. But it's still I miss, a bit I miss weird. football matches in the trending topics. <laughs> Like like three nights three nights a week, all the trending topics were just football, and it was very normal. And I will not allow you to derail another episode into talking about the Premier League. You've done that so many times on the show, and we're not going to do it today. Um, so so Cummings wasn't in the trending. Topics. Cummings wasn't in the trending topics, or rather specifically, Dominic Cummings's full name was not in the trending topics. And then later, Dominic Cummings' full name was not in the trending topics, spelt correctly, because it turns out uh, I, I I found out today confirmed today that uh twitter has blocked cummings's surname from trending topics <laughs> search suggestions 
and photo and video searches because it thinks it's porn. Um, it, it has decided that the word coming is porn. And so <laughs> Cummings is porn. And, 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 and that is that. And they, they are not going to change it, even really? though it's yeah, even though it's had this completely ridiculous outcome, they're still like it's porn though, isn't it? It's so good. It's like the most important story that's happened in the UK since, I mean, since the start of the pandemic, and yet for some reason the main person in it can't appear in the trending topics. But what is happening is that every few every few hours a different misspelling of his name's arriving. <laughs> so it's like Cumnings or Cum. And all this sort of stuff. So, but it's all appearing because I assume what's happening is that people are trying to write his name with the hashtag, but then it's also filling with the That's current exactly, trending topic. Yeah. So it's just keeping these misspellings going rather than have his actual name in trending topics ever. My favourite thing about this is that Cummings is blocked because Cummings contains the word coming. Um, <laughs> but, but, and I mean, just just to explain it, to break it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, good, 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 yeah. One of the hashtags that has survived is Cumgate. Sick. Because oh. while, oh. while Cummings is blocked uh, and the word cum on its own is blocked, <laughs> Twitter clearly decided that they couldn't block every variation of the word cum because it's just too short and there'd be too many false positives. So we're in this bizarre situation where the fucking prime minister's chief advisor his name is blocked from trending on twitter but cumgate is completely fine oh that's so good though like cumgate that's so i mean but also can you imagine a situation like where twitter just does remove like the cum filter (laughs) and all of a sudden just like just like, because like, the, like, let's be real. Like, the platform is full of pornography. It, it's one of it's the ridiculous. few mainstream platforms that even still allows it. So, you could you just imagine? Is, what is good about it though is you don't see it unless you look for it. Like, it very rarely crosses your timeline. Otherwise. Until you follow the wrong person. Yeah, no. The only yes. the only times that I'm doing it is when I'm casually faving pornography on 9/11. Um, me and Ted Cruz every 9/11 go through, and we just fave all of our favorite girls. But could you imagine if they took the filter off and it was just like a cum bomb went off? A, fu- a shitty purge. <laughs> One day each year, Twitter removes the porn filter and trending topics are unusable, just completely unusable. Oh my God. Because especially it would be one of those fantastic things where the uh, maliciousness of algorithms would start to work. Like the first time there was the most minutely sexy thing in it, every man in existence would go, huh? what's that? Tap on it, immediately see it, immediately be aware of the porn on Twitter and the trend would grow. I mean, I, to really just like fill out the, uh, the all guy bingo, co- the all guy podcast bingo card. I have not finished infinite jest, but from what I gather, <laughs> the book is about a piece of media that is so addictive. People just slowly start dying. And I could imagine it a is. similar phenomenon happening as just like pornography spreads out across Twitter and people are, actually, no, wait, this did happen. I covered this when, um, I don't know. No, no, no. I, I, I don't think this did happen. Ryan. This did happen. I don't think this Twitter did happen. became so addictive that people, I, no, 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 actually, no, 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 no. That is no. just a description of my life right now, isn't it? No, no. What, what did happen though, is I believe it was us airways tweeted, uh, a photo of a woman, uh, inserting a toy plane into her vagina. Yep, and it was just shocking yep. pornographic image that it, it basically oh, became it like so stickied within <laughs> the prof. <laughs> it became stickied within the platform because it was so horrific and insane that everyone kept sharing it and talking about it driving more attention to it and it, it couldn't they, it they couldn't, couldn't do anything about it Every, it was basically a reply all fail but with like a horrible random image yeah so it was such a strange image it was such a specific image as well I, i'll never I, forget I, it for the rest of my life and the thing is <laughs> not correct to describe it as pornographic it wasn't it was like weirder and grainier than that. it was very like it was like 2005 pornographic when all the images that floated around on the internet were just like vaguely gross yeah yeah i think yeah. i did do some like forensics on where it came from and it was like i think it was a german bdsm website it had originated on or something oh um, God, okay i genuinely i genuinely wouldn't have guessed that it originated from a deliberate attempt to make porn like it, it just it just it was just too like grim and clinical it was very grim yeah i mean speaking of grim and clinical um 
How <laughs> how is this Dominic Cummings thing gonna end? I genuinely don't the know. The problem is okay. The problem is that they can't get rid of him now because they've committed so hard to keeping him. Which, by all accounts, they did by accident. Like he, just, he, what, he lied to them as well as to everyone else. Yeah, he sort of lied to them. And Boris Johnson didn't get involved until the Sunday, and this story came out on the Friday. And by the Saturday, they'd already committed to saying like, no, it was totally fine. So now they're just stuck in this hole where if it's too late now to like reverse like reverse course and be like, oh no, actually we did mean to fire him because it's, it's gone too far. <laughs> But it just keeps going. And what they were hoping is everyone forget about it because, you know, there's a pandemic on and everyone would assume there were other things would happen. But nothing else did happen. So now they're just stuck with this ongoing story. Even even the big things that are happening are all relevant to it. So today, on Wednesday, they the UK government announced a move to its test, trace and isolate program, which will involve asking people to voluntarily isolate for 14 days. While at the same time, the prime minister is repeatedly arguing that his own advisor, who was asked to voluntarily isolate for 14 days and didn't, did nothing wrong. So he's, he's simultaneously asking, he's, he's in the position of standing up in front of the country and going, please, everyone, do not act like my chief advisor who did nothing wrong. Don't act like him. He was right in what he did, but you must not do it. But he was right and anyone would do it, but don't do it. And this is a coherent request from me. They your keep Prime coming Minister. up with badly, really bad phrases as well. Like one of the other, one of the ones they kept saying was like he followed his instincts, and it's Which like, oh, not... okay, what does that mean? It's very bad advice for a pandemic. Don't follow your instincts. Yeah, the fact, last your instinct. thing you should do. The, the virus is really instinct. counting on human instinct. It really wants us to to do that. Like that's how it spreads. Yeah, it's also generally not a good excuse for law breaking like oh no no he look he may have beaten him to a pulp but he was just following his instincts his raw animal instincts that's it like you can't blame him for that he wanted I mean, to defend his property i mean when that it wasn't co- his, you know that, that kind of white stripe when you're talking white about stripe. coming there's nothing more <laughs> instinct driven <laughs> that i can think of <laughs> all right see you guys later all right it's been great have a great week. <laughs> I realised, of course, me literally throwing a thing at my screen hurts no one but myself and doesn't even make for good audio. But I did throw something at my screen there. We can confirm that. My thing this week is a thing that I've been wanting to talk about for several weeks now, um, and I have a, it's a conspiracy. I have a conspiracy theory that's been building. Um, are you lads familiar with uh, Barstool Sports? Yeah. The American Lad yeah. Bible? Mostly because of its union-busting stuff that just ended perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for anyone listening who's not familiar with Barstool Sports, um, they are – we've talked about them before on this show. I have a personal grudge against the owner because he's from Swampscott, Massachusetts, and I'm from Marblehead, Massachusetts, and our towns have a 100-year-old rivalry. Um, for fuck's sake. But for other reasons also. That's yeah, – and, and that's long, right? That's – yeah, right. Sorry. In America, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yep. So uh, there's been like a whole thing where uh, my sister has gotten really into Dave Portnoy. He's the owner or whatever of Barstool. He does these unboxing videos where people send him boxes and then he opens whatever the, is in the box on camera. And that's like his thing. Right. And as my family's been quarantined together without me, they've slowly become bigger and bigger fans of Barstool Sports unboxing videos. And at one point, my sister called me from my mom's phone, FaceTime, pointed the FaceTime at her own phone, which was playing the Barstool Sports unboxing video. I was so angry that I didn't even know how to handle it. It was was like my brain broke. But here's here's, here's what's crazy here. Barstool does a lot of work with the Robinhood stock trading app. Are you familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Yep. My dad, in his retirement, is now using this Robinhood stock trading app quite a bit to, um, I think, invest in Bitcoin. I think that's what he's <laughs> doing. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sure, that's, that's, I'm sure that's great. That's going really no. well. So my 70-year-old dad is on Robinhood. He's getting into Bitcoin. He messaged me the other day 
asking what Slack was because he wanted to invest in it. No! <laughs> yeah. It's not even a bad investment, but that's a bad way to invest. You don't, don't ask someone what something is because you want to invest in it. Right. Uh, he said that he, he <laughs> uses the Robinhood stock trading Facebook group. And this is dovetailed with him slowly becoming a bigger and bigger fan of Barstool Sports. See where I'm going here? I think that, like, <laughs> the Robin Hood <laughs> Facebook community is radicalizing my dad into a stoolie. <laughs> and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna make, I kind of make the kind of make the joke that you're going to cut. Yeah, sure. Your dad's been radicalized into worse things. No, okay. Well, I'm, yeah. yeah, my dad is a Trump supporter already. But so I suppose... Like, but also, like, being a Barstool sports fan, I think is worse. This this does sound, I've got to say, Ryan, this does sound like de-radicalization. This sounds like they're taking someone who is engaged in the harmful dark web world of Bitcoin and turning him into a bro. <laughs> like, that's a path out. Well, so, so, wait, I want to get this right because it's super funny. Uh, so Dave, so Dave Portnoy does, um, oh yeah, yeah, here it is. Oh yeah. Okay. So, uh, we talked about the, the wall street bet subreddit on this show before, uh, Hussein Kazvani was on talking about Mm -hmm. how they were all having a psychotic breakdown because of the coronavirus. Unlike everyone else. Yeah. Unlike the rest of us, (laughs) but they've been really enjoying Dave Portnoy's, uh, stock trading videos that he does, uh, where he'll just basically like, I don't know, buy stocks live. And then see how much and sell them and see how much money he makes. But he accidentally <laughs> he accidentally lost six hundred and forty seven thousand dollars. Oh, what? <laughs> and apparently Oh, that's a lot. Apparently he screenshot his um <laughs> this was back in April, and he he also screenshot, I think, his like total um trading wallet, and it showed a deficit of him being down fifteen point nine million dollars. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> this so, is according to the Reddit Wall Street Bet subreddit, by the way. So, in other, like, basically, he is colossally bad at stock trading, well, despite the fact that he has an audience following him. Yes, I mean, he seems to be colossally bad at like almost everything he's doing, except for getting people to watch him do stuff. For context, he is an enormous shithead, right? <laughs> um, I would I would say that he is not a a good dude. I would uh, cool. I would say that he is not a good dude. Um, <laughs> he uh, he is one of these people though that I find fascinating because he kind of he kind of buys into the idea that everything is WWE. So for him, he's not Dave Portnoy. He's Dave Portnoy, who is a character that he plays via the transmedia, uh, like empire of barstool sports which makes me worried about people like my dad who do not know what the word transmedia means nor do they understand the philosophical ramifications of treating all of your life like wwe and he is taking essentially day trading advice from this man i mean this 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 is all like a, a really good worry but surely the the more important worry is your dad is taking day trading advice from a man who's lost 15 million dollars like <laughs> yeah. we we can go to the the, the metaphysics of this but he's also just going to lose an awful lot of money because Dave Portnoy's a garbage day trader why is, he, why is he so convinced by the man who's lost what I don't so he cost why is what like there are so many people who do day trading there is like such a big day trading community on YouTube like it's ridiculous there an awful lot of them are you know making a huge amount of money from explaining to other people how to day trade while no, never day trading themselves I don't understand why he's not taking advice from them and instead going with the guy who loses a lot of money day trading but also this is this is particularly incredible because one of the one of the wondrous <laughs> things about being a finance influencer is it is actually a way it is a guaranteed way to make money because you buy a stock, you tell all of your followers, hey, this is a hot stock, it's going to go up. They all buy the stock and you sell the stock. Sometimes if you do that wrongly, it's illegal. And one of Piers Morgan's <laughs> mm-hmm. famous early clusterfucks was really towing very close to that line. But it's it's not always illegal. And if you're very open that you're doing it and people still listen to your influential advice, you can make a lot of money. It's really hard to lose money if you're doing the thing that Dave Portnoy is doing. It's crazy. It, it, I, I mean, it, so my conspiracy theory is that he's essentially like day trading at random 
to generate content for the day trading app. So he's Luke had like this great bit about this, like uh, way back in the very beginning of the show when we started, which was like that, like it, the, I don't know. He was saying some communist garbage about the economy not being real and run out of a basement in New Jersey. But it's like, if I don't remember any of this. Yeah. So it's like, if wall street is a simulation, Dave Portnoy has created a simulation of that simulation. And he's just like losing money but also probably getting that money back in different channels through his sponsorships. So it doesn't actually matter what he's doing day trading wise, but like people, but he's almost turned the economy into a multi-level marketing scheme of itself for him. I mean, that makes sense. That's that's good. That's just good business practice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, so during the, 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 the dinner that they FaceTime me with the two phones to watch Dave Portnoy unboxing videos, my dad was like, why don't you do this? You could do this. And I was like, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, do what? Like run a sports company? Like do what? He's like, just like open stuff on the internet. And I was just like, I guess, I guess I could just do that. And then I got, then I was like kind of angry that I'm not doing that. You are doing that. What is this podcast? If not the equivalent with your own skill base, which is unfortunately not ripping off old people and boosting <laughs> stock apps, but talking about horrible, horrible things on the internet. Yeah, in retrospect, we, we didn't plan this very well. Yeah, we, we could. The, well, we should have done the griff. Actually, there is a Dave Portnoy thing we could do. Uh, have you guys been following the drama around the Barstool Sports podcast? Oh, the, no. the, the worst named product podcast in the world? Say it. Call her daddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. And it's run by like two hot babes who love to talk about sex, but like are just one of the guys. And they're yeah. having like an insane feud with Barstool. My second conspiracy theory is that that's all fake and just another WWE simulation. That seems that seems very plausible. I think it's all made up. I've never yeah. having heard of this podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> they've done, yeah, they've done they've done absolutely no work in six months and made got more press than ever before. So yeah, it seems it seems right. I just I don't I don't trust the man. Not only because he's from Swampscup, but for other reasons that. I just don't trust him. But we could spice up this podcast with a bunch of like insane made up drama. <sighs> Seems like a lot of effort. <laughs> like, well, we got to do two things. One, we either got to have a really high profile feud or we've got to politically radicalize. I feel like if you don't do one of those two things, you just become like a tabletop role playing podcast and the world does not need another one of those. <laughs> that seems fun, though. <laughs> Like it, radicalism takes a lot of effort. I'm really tired. I unsheath my scabbard and then I take a sip of mead. Yeah, okay, we have to do this, but but you have to do it, the entire thing in a British accent. I'll do the entire thing in an American accent. I don't think I've ever heard you do an American accent. It's just your voice. Do it. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you going, I, I can't. See, the problem is now I'm trying to do it. What I, mm. I keep going to do is... This an impression a, of you doing a British accent? Luke, this is a safe space. You can do an American accent here if you want. I don't. I won't keep it if it's bad. I'll delete it. No, I can't. I can't. I, I, no, I can't. I'm, <laughs> I can't do the American accent. So I guess my last question for you guys, because and I, I'm thank you for letting me kind of rant about this, because uh, it has been really bothering me, is like, what do I wean my dad off of Barstool with? Like, should I show him? Trailblazers. But should I show him like Lad Bible? Because Lad Bible has no depth to it. Like, Lad Bible is very, it's very, you know, it's not got a, a, a vibe. Like, I can see how you can get into it, like a podcast or, or, or day trading. What about Joe Rogan? Lad Bi- I think, like, following my, my de-radicalization theory, you've got to carry on that runway out and you end up with, like, early season Top Gear. Oh, that would do it. that's so smart. You just wind the clock backwards going through the invention of laddishness. You're early season Top Gear and then you're just like... Ho ho, 1990s son. When basically it was just like, yeah, there's some boobs, and other than that, it's a sort of center right newspaper, and then you're you're basically back in the normal world. Oh, that's how I can like make my dad a normal Republican again is by just showing him Top Gear nonstop for several weeks and just like deprogram him. Yeah, I kind of think your dad would like like Top Gear as well. I mean, name a dad that doesn't like Top Gear. It's yeah, just no, men driving is. cars. Tweets of a crossbench peer oh, and oh, from the off. UK. <laughs> I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I literally. I want to talk about. I want to talk about the tweets of the 
uh, I guess, actually, the British version of Donald Trump. In many no, ways. he's the fucking British Bill Gates. That's the really depressing thing. Shit, I guess he is, so yeah. Who is this guy? What is his name? Lord Sugar. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. I saw, you do, I saw you tweeting about this. Yeah, so he... Okay, so the context of who Lord Sugar is... Wait, wait, I just want to uh, say, I did fall for the tweet at first. Because it was like <laughs> 7 in the morning. <laughs> and I was of course. confused. Why not? But, okay, so, so to explain who Lord Sugar is, which also I'm aware is like the most painfully British name of all time like it's a parody of what british people are like but he also does have a constitutional role in the like british government um <laughs> british legislature oh i hate your british legislature yeah that's so true much. um yeah so he is a former i guess an east end barrow boy would be the way to describe it um but that's not quite a thing anymore but broadly that oh, like he, he's some kind of like like old timey rap scallion. Yeah, he grew up selling vegetables and uh, discount electronics out of a car, <laughs> and is now a billionaire. Wait, so like, not only is this man's name Lord Sugar, he also spent his childhood as like a like like Victorian. A cockney barrow boy, sir. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. <laughs> okay, sure. And, and this is it. And then he he he. Figured out a few things. He made early computers, which are a thing called Amstrad, which I'm sure uh, Alex has a lot of opinions on because uh, they were famously they, they flamed out like a decade before I was born. He invented a, he invented a phone, which was the Amstrad emailer, and the, the gimmick was that you could email from the phone. I mean, that's that's all I do all day now, so that's pretty smart. True. However, it was a landline, so it was connected nah. to. Uh, a socket that doesn't work so well it was it was a bad computer yeah it was a bad computer but he made a bunch more money he sold amstrad to sky i think at one point and eventually at some point during this process became a billionaire but sold all his businesses and now is effectively just owns real estate as far as i know like 95 percent of his business is real real estate but he is the host of the uk apprentice and has been for years now like it's gotta be 20 15 years maybe which is dragon's den right no, no, no. It's no the, the UK Apprentice. apprentice. It's the oh, same. Oh, right, right, right. Dragon's Den is it's your shark apprentice. Tank. Yes, yes. But yeah, he is. He is the host of the Apprentice. But the thing is, as the time goes on, he is just. It becomes increasingly clear that he's just kind of an idiot, and he's very, very bad at Twitter. Oh, which... so he's kind of like your Elon Musk. No, because Elon Musk thinks he's good at Twitter. Sugar is like, sugar is like if your dad had Twitter. Yeah. Well, my dad. Oh, so my dad does have Twitter, and really, he's. He keeps tweeting, and no one he doesn't know how to use it, and I can't explain it to him because if he figured it out, it'd be so bad. It'd be so bad for everybody. <laughs> right, so that's that's the same as Lord Sugar. Okay, sure. Because <laughs> today he, he just tweeted a thing that was strange but seems correct, and it was a screen grab, and I can't figure out how he did the screen grab because it's, it's the screen grab of a notes app, but then around it is like a black border. It looks, like, I don't... it looks like a um, what you get if you export something from Snapchat. Yes, actually, yeah, that might be it. So I think I think it's a shit. It, it's a sort of shit post re screen grab of a screen grab of a screen grab. Yeah, I think this is. I mean, the thing with like old people is that like their JPEGs just fill up with artifacts. Like yeah. by the time that you an old person sends you a picture, it's been through like nine different platforms, you know. But it's it's one of these riddles that I feel like I remember from when I was like six, where it goes. Uh, thing is that it's not even good like they used to do i vaguely remember these reels where it would do a thing and then it would come out and it would always have the same number regardless of what it is because there's a trick in it but they'd make you like time something by four then times it by two then divide it by eight and all this like extra bits and pieces so it hit it but this is just it's today it starts with today every person in the whole world is the same age yeah which, sure okay <laughs> that first line you go yeah sure that sounds right then it's today is a very special day. There's only one chance every thousand years. Your age this year plus your year of birth, the total for every person equals 2020, which is, yeah. That's how age works. <laughs> That's how age works. But then it goes, it has this line that says, it's so strange that even ex experts can't explain That's it. the best part. That's the, that's and like, the, that's the best part right there. It is. This, this guy is billionaire. He's like the 90th richest person in the UK sitting there looking at this shit pit going like, 
man, imagine all these experts sitting around the world attempting to figure out why my age plus the year I was born equals 2020. Wait, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't say the most important part, which kind of defeats any defense that he could have that this was um, sarcastic, which is that his tweet around it is strange but seems correct yeah it, it feels it feels like he's got up and walked around his house and asked like three people in his house and been like hey can you do the mass and they go yeah no this that's 2020 he's that's, like, wow this this trick works seems seems correct like what you know a, a big part well i spent about three months a few years back um reporting out a story on why it was that there was no uk equivalent to Google, why it was that the British tech sector had never succeeded in building this sort of hundred billion uh, dollar company, and then you look at <laughs> the most famous technology <laughs> founder in the UK, and it's this dipshit, and it all makes sense. It's just because a huge chunk of the UK computer industry is are idiots, or at least he is. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he is the inspirational founder of the UK tech in- industry, and he can't use twitter but it's also not the first time he is constantly wrong about everything to like a really wild extent like what are what are some uh, what are some lord sugar greatest hits well he's done he's done multiple during the pandemic he's done multiple tweets that are just your uh, your dad your dad but anyone's dad yeah. forwarding memes about how coronavirus was made by china uh, wow. And an awful lot of like fake, news, all the all the classic fake news hits, and he's done it multiple times. But I mean, my favorite thing that he does is that uh, about a year ago he got caught for he was tweeting about companies that he'd invested in as though that he didn't own them, uh, and he yeah. was just like, "Hey, isn't this teeth white anything good?" Uh, and then eventually the ASA were like, "Hey, you can't pretend you, you, can't, you can't do these do tweets that. about companies that you <laughs> own, Stop. pretending you don't own them. Stop committing so fraud." So now, <laughs> yeah. now what he does is he just quote tweets tweets from these companies, but just with the hash, hashtag ad, and that's it. That's a he flex. doesn't like say, "I really like this product. I'm really happy with how this has come out." He just quote tweets with hashtag ad. And that's his entire promotion for it. Gone from being, you know, breaking the rules, but doing at least effective promotion to just like, oh, like, if I, it's, it's, a, it's a strop, isn't it? He's just throwing a, strop, a strop at the ASA. Yeah, he's, um, he's an absolute nightmare and, yeah, one of the richest men in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I feel like, if anything, you guys have just really learned in the last, like, week or so that all of the rich men in your country are psychopaths who don't give a shit about anything. I feel like we knew that. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of an important part of UK political history there. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, our rich people are really good over here. They, uh, they're, yeah, they, they're great. They, they earned it, they're and cool. being they're rich cool. in America means that you are a good person. All of ours are just, you know, either Alan Sugar or Dominic Cummings, basically. <laughs> awful, awful hereditary wealth or awful, awful earned wealth and... That's it. Those are the two varieties. Speaking of horrible rich people, Luke, have you seen the girl on TikTok who makes videos? Uh, she's like a teen socialist who makes videos about why golf courses are uh, like unethical. No, but golf courses are unethical. I know. You talk about how much you hate golf courses all the time. Alex, I'm sure you agree with me here. Golf courses are bad. Golf courses are awful. And one of the best things that Jeremy Corbyn's government would have done, God rest his soul, he's not dead, is uh, <laughs> definitely just unilaterally declared that all golf courses had planning permission to build homes on that would overnight that would solve nationalized golf courses baby have you seen the girl from Derry who's raising 37,000 tadpoles no no it's one of my favorite tiktok accounts uh of of this week this is uh, making me realize I don't really know how many tadpoles thirty seven thousand. Yeah, is that I a mean, lot? She, is that a she, lot? She gives that number. I don't know. I don't know how she counted them. That's a lot of tadpoles. But she's genuinely a, a good tadpole mom. Big tadpole update as promised. Hi guys. So today I started off prepping some boiled spinach for all my tadpoles. They love it. And we can also see all their beautiful speckles. Their colours are really clear now and some have more speckles than others. Also, I checked up on our boy Riley. He's going strong. And I also spent ages looking for Nugget and I eventually found him. Be sure to like and follow for daily tadpole updates. Oh it's God. genuinely just really heartwarming content and I love it. Yeah, her accent's fantastic i would like to listen to her talk about frogs and and this is the thing and she's got a great dairy accent <laughs> yeah that's fantastic
this is actually uh, a good segue into the kind of end of our show that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a segment called content you're consuming to stay sane. Um, so, Alex, uh, what kind of content are you consuming to stay sane amid uh, the pandemic that is now a week like what are we week four, 13, 14, something like that? Uh, 11, 11. I think it's only I think we're only at 11. I, I have. Had, I think we had day fifty-five today. I think it wow. is. God, yeah. Um, I have played since I bought it in the second week of the pandemic two hundred hours of Civilization Six. <laughs> oh, because it was free. Wow. Uh, no, 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 no. I bought it in the first week of the pandemic. It was free last week. <laughs> um, I like normally I'd complain, but I've played two hundred hours of it before it went free because uh, it's got this feature that it's it calls play by cloud. That lets you basically set it up as a big play-by-email board game. So you take a turn, log out, close the game, do something else. Everyone else you're playing with takes their turn, and then you get a little ping on the desktop that comes back. And there's a group of about eight of us who currently have 11 separate games of it on the go. Um, and it has led to some absolutely amazing moments. My favorite one of which was when, just as one friend was about to defeat me, I sent him a trade request that looked like it was just for a lot of um a lot of like limes and ivory and shit goaded him into accepting it and hidden below the fold was also a request for every single city he owned which is the greatest (laughs) coup i've ever pulled off in anything he accidentally gave me every single city he owned and he still won wait so so wow i was up until that anecdote assuming that you were playing some kind of like one of those games where you like build a civilization what is this game? Civilization. It's it's a it's a long running series. Sydney's Civilization. That is basically a digital board game. It's, oh. uh, you found found cities, explore continents, get in wars with other civilizations, and research new technologies to try and get to a domination, science, culture, or religious victory. Oh, huh. It's more fun. It's more fun to play than it is to describe. <laughs> well, I will, I will call as, that as every. As every, As every single real-time game. strategy game is. No, but this is interesting. Oh, it's not even real-time. It's turn-based. It's, it's, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. No, but this is interesting because... Uh, so my content that I've been considering to stay sane this week um, is kind of related. Um, which is that I have been watching on YouTube videos explaining the lore of Warhammer 40k. Dude, <laughs> wait. Did you pay? Did you play Warhammer as a Warhammer as a kid? Did I play Warhammer as a kid? I, I I have like two armies on my shelf behind me right now. Yeah. So I never played it as a kid. I had a friend named Sam who who played it. He was in Games Workshop like every single day, um, and he would talk about it, and I would just be like, "Shut up!" Just like shut your <laughs> shut your stupid face. I don't want to listen to this. And I played I played a bit of Magic the Gathering. That was like my big kind of nerdy per- tabletop pursuit. Um, but like a couple weeks ago, I was just like, what's the story of Warhammer 40k? Like, what is that even about? And then I read a bunch of posts about it and I was like, I still don't really understand what this is about. And so I found this guy on YouTube. I'll give him a proper shout out actually, just so uh, I do this the right way. Uh, his name is Luton09. Uh, he's British. He's a, he's a Warhammer YouTuber and he has like hour and a half long videos breaking down the lore of like every single race and all of the history of this fictional universe. And then once I watched that, I was like, how fascist is this? And then I fell down a rabbit hole about like all the think pieces about Warhammer and fascism. So it's been like a really busy week for me in that realm. Um, <laughs> so more fascism than usual, because that seems surprising. Well, no, this is fictional fascism. Because uh, from what I can understand... Right, right, right. Uh, wait, Alex, wait, can I, can I try to do this? Can, can you tell me yeah. if I do this right? Okay. <laughs> the premise of Warhammer 40k is that basically the Roman empire led by a like very powerful psychic goes to space and becomes kind of like the space version of the Holy Roman empire and then genocides all the aliens. And then that's it. I think the literal demons from hell popping up is also quite important. Oh, right. Sorry. The way you travel in space is by going briefly through hell. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then, and if you do that too much, you become a demon and then they have, you have to be killed. And 
I had like lots of logistical questions. I was like, I was like, are there cars in Warhammer 40k? Like, like what does that look like? Uh, like my, my my favorite way of describing Warhammer 40k and and really Warhammer is it is it's a fictional universe where every single every single uh, army is the bad guy. Yeah. So it it it's a it's a universe where the main human empire is a fascist uh, theocracy built around worshipping the probably dead psychic ghost of the 10,000-year-old space Jesus who led humanity into its golden age, Right. but also the people who hate the uh, human empire are literally worshipping literal hell, and also all of the aliens are respectively like genocidal bigots, uh, absolutely monstrous orcs who just live for war, uh, like the closest to good guys are the Tau, whose thing is ultra utilitarianism. And so guess what? They will just like genocide something if it looks like it might do bad things in the future. Oops. Um, but it's kind of great. The big problem for a Warhammer fans is that you never quite know which of them get that it's a satire. And which yeah. of them think that the eagles and skulls motifs are like really awesome and that those eight foot tall space Marines who go around squashing the little guy are like, they're cool heroes. That was, that was the, uh, that was the feeling I got from the Warhammer 40 K Quora community. Um, man, mm-hmm. man, I'm like trying not to own myself this episode, but like, I feel like I've really just, uh, I gotta, I gotta start hanging around people again. I, I think I'm just <laughs> traveling. Um, but yeah, according to the Warhammer 40 K Quora threads I've been reading, there's a lot of uh, debate over, how much the fascism in the game uh, is a selling point for the, for people. Because uh, I did uh, not yeah. know this, and this is a fun little, little British fact, is that apparently a lot of the early stuff is satire of Thatcherism. Yeah. I mean, there was there was like a 20-year period where everything was a satire of Thatcherism. <laughs> right, sorry. Pretty right. Much. They, they were two angry lads from the Midlands who did a, like, horrific RPG, basically, that was full of that's right satire and then it became one of britain's biggest media properties and now the company that makes it is worth the same as british gas well i mean there's a good chance that uh, also warhammer 40k gives us a very very interesting look at what life will be like after the coronavirus <laughs> god who's <laughs> going to be the god emperor of mankind though it's not you dave porter from barstool sports <laughs> <laughs> and actually stacks up uh, the the imperium of lads <laughs> um, luke what content have you been consuming to stay sane this week um i've been watching a lot of uh, married at first sight australia oh please tell me everything it's uh it's kind of amazing because uh the premise of the show as you may or may not be aware of is that people get married at first sight and then they have to attempt to navigate the first six weeks of a marriage having never met each other before uh but in this twist they're all australian um which obviously they but they all have additional personality defects as well as being australian um (laughs) Uh, a a disclaimer for people listening is that luke um has some long-held grudges against people from australia and sometimes that just really jumps out and he's sorry yeah i mean yeah that's exactly it but they are also they all look the same. There's like five, of the, there's 10 couples in it. So many couples, which means I can't keep track of them all, but it's not helped by the fact they all look the same. Um, I don't think there's, I think there's one non-white person in all 20 people, which is in itself a slightly weird thing. Um, but the best part of it is that there's this one couple who have discovered that they hate each other as all the couples do, <laughs> but that any of the other couples that are like having breakthroughs and having like nice moments this couple has discovered that they can get make themselves close to each other by destroying the other couples. <gasps> awesome. So they have these big, they have these big like dinner table meetings, and then they're just they're like, okay, uh, this couple seems to be like friendly and they're getting along really well. So we're going to cause an argument between them, and then sort of turn around and go like, can't can't believe ever an argument. This is this is disgraceful. This is, clearly, you're not right for each other. And it's not a competition. Like you either get to the end or you don't. There's, there's no winner here. They're just they're just there, being like, we can we can make our relationship work by destroying another couple's relationship. But we're just going to do that, and that's going to help us. Um, not they're going to they're going to be together for twenty years. Yep, by just ruining everyone around their li- them's lives. That's not even like a reality show thing. I think they've just learned like a really important thing about being in a couple is that like 
you can energy drain other couples for power. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> and I hope you die. I hope we both die. <laughs> uh, um, Alex, I want to thank you for coming on the show this week. Um, thank you for having me. It was uh, it was a it was a it was a wonderful journey. You know, I feel like a great journey. We learn a lot. About halfway through, I touched my eyes with hands that have been chopping chilies, so I've been in like constant pain for the last twenty minutes. Oh, I thought you were just, that's the face you make when Luke talks. I, I thought that was just, uh, you know, I do a similar thing. Um, Alex, if people want to follow you on the internet, where is a good place for them to do that? A good place is probably my Twitter account at Alex Hearn or my newsletter, alexhearn.substack.com. That's A-L-E-X-H-E-R-N. Uh, I'm going to cut out the thing about your Substack. I don't want people to follow a different Substack. Um, this is I threw something on my screen again. Why do yeah. I do that? Um, Luke, if, uh, people want to follow you on the internet, where should they do that? Uh, Twitter, uh, I'm bad at life. Comedy, I'm still using that. I'm Ryan Broderick at Broderick. Um, anybody got anything good to plug or any sort of hopes or dreams on the horizon they want to talk about before we, uh, give it an old sign off? Oh, I do actually have a book coming out next month. Hey! I should mention mention that. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, um, co-wrote a group book about positives about all of this. Um, called A Little Light. And let's see if it shows up in the search well enough that I can just say that name. It does not yet. Uh, <laughs> I've really got to do some SEO on this book. Well, you've got, two, you've got two days until this comes out. so uh, It's called A Little Light, 20 Ways the Coronavirus Response Could Make the World Better. And it is coming out digitally on June 25th. Wow. Okay. Um, that's awesome. I, I've all, every week I'm like, that is I'm like, do you guys have anything to plug? And then everyone's like, no, I'm depressed. I have nothing in my life that matters. And you're the first person who's ever had something to plug. That's fantastic. I actually, I have actually achieved something in this period. It's been I feel good. like a real podcast now. That was awesome. It's impressive. <laughs>